0: what? I don't even know. What are the roles of my stakeholders? What is the difference between a producer and director? And um, so I went down to the studios and um, I was in the green room and all of the discussions were super creative, which is really fun, you know, but I was like, hold on, like, Who are our users and what are our metrics of success and what are our KPIs? And I think that what I learned is what I can bring from my world that I'm really good at. And, you know, the pillars of product management, looking at data, caring about the users, checking what problems we're trying to solve, like all of that bring that, but also being super open to the fact that, okay, I now have a different type of stakeholders and what do I need to learn? And what do I, you know, how do I move myself to actually being able to say yes Hey, everyone, and welcome
1: to For the Love of Product, brought to you by the Product-Led Alliance. I'll be your host, Tiama Hansen-Drury, Chief Product Officer at Mina Technologies, and all-around passionate product aficionado. Each episode, we'll be looking at the head and the heart behind product-led growth, the passion and the practice of product, and we'll be picking the brains of seasoned CPOs and heads of products, as well as visionary founders and investors getting their inside stories. Enjoy! Hello, and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Product. I am coming to you from a warm London. I am super excited to have with me today, Oz Binari. Um, Oz is a product creator and an active mentor for startups and young professionals. She's got a huge amount of background and experience, but currently what she's working on is she's the co-founder of Dragon Fly, a web three strategy and creative agency. So we're going to dig into a lot of that. Uh, previous to that, she was at Diligent of the SVP of Product Management and was also on the founding team of WeWork Labs, building both the physical and digital experiences. Super interesting stuff there. Uh, she spent over 20 years in various product roles, including leading product partnerships for BBG ventures, as well as in the product and innovation groups at Verizon, AOL Video, and Studios. So she serves on the advisory board for AudioBurst and CS at Hunter College in New York City, which I don't know how she has time to do all this. Um, mm-hmm. And on top of that, <laughs> she's an advocate for resilience and mental health in the workplace. Her book, Starting from Scratch, will be published this year, and we're going to get some early uh, tidbits
0: into it. And with that, Oz, welcome to the show. Thank you so, so much. Um, you have no idea how excited I was to see your notes when you invited me to your podcast. So thank you.
1: Oh, that's so great. Well, we are so excited to have you here. And um, I want to dig right in because your background and your story is super interesting. And while we will take a little bit longer to get to the book, start from scratch, it was really inspired by one of the most difficult parts of your life. Um, so let's jump right in. let's just get right into that now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm um, Israeli. I was born, lived all my life in Israel. Um, I always knew that my uh, place is not necessarily there, um mainly because of the tech career. I was traveling a lot, um, some of Some of the jobs I was actually traveling more than fifty percent of the time. So um, living abroad was something that was in my head all the time, and I was just waiting for the right opportunity. Um, Eight years ago, I moved to New York City with my family. The first opportunity I actually had to move here, I was on my own, and I thought it was hard. But boy, (laughs) Uh, to move with a family—you know—not only your own challenges, personal challenges with the new. Uh, place. It's also, you know, worrying for them. You know, my husband needed to completely speaking of starting from scratch, but completely, um, kind of reinvent himself. My kids didn't speak English. So all of that was a challenge personally. And then I came to a new job, um, and the new job that I had, um, you know, that's why I moved changed very, very quickly, um, overnight, um, almost, um when actually when I was packing still in Israel, I got a call from the person who was the CEO, the person who was uh, supposed to be my boss. And he said, listen, I'm leaving um, and I'm not sure that you should come here anymore because things will change and maybe you won't be safe in the organization. And I was so first of all, I was already packed and, and you know, mindset was already there. But um Professionally, I knew that I can grow here, and being closer to the customers, closer to the market, really thought that I could both take my personal career forward, but also take the everything. You know, was easier when I moved. Would be easier when I moved here, closer to the market and and the customers. So I was super passionate about doing that, um, and I insisted on moving, and then found myself um, one day very. Um, Very much at the beginning, my kids didn't even speak English then. um, Saying, um, "Oh my God, there's a new guy that roams around the the floor and checks what people are doing." And um, he was like, "Um, "So what do you do?" And I was like, "This didn't sound like, and you know, it didn't sound like he's interested." Really, he was like, "Are you on my list?" Um, and I really needed to to do that, to really, you know, reinvent myself in front of him very, very quickly and, um, and tell a different story than he, you know, what did he see before? Because he didn't know of me and what I'm doing. And so with a family that still doesn't really find herself here um, and myself not finding myself in a new country, I also had this job at risk situation. Um, and it's actually I wrote this, as you were saying, I wrote this as this is the first chapter of my book, because um, I left the work after our conversation, and a homeless guy asked me, um, "Why are you not smiling, lady?" And I was like, "Oh my God, like, is it so visible? you know, And this guy that you know, luck did not strike him, what are we talking about, you know?" Um, He was worried for me. Uh, But really, that situation was like, okay, I have 20 minutes walk home. I need to shake it off and reinvent myself. And um, and, uh, you know, something that was difficult, um, both personally and, and professionally. I had to change that very quickly.
1: Fascinating. And I think we need to give the listeners a bit more detail about what was the product role that you thought you were going to do, right? And then what was it that you ended up having to reinvent yourself around thanks to that homeless guy and uh, helping you get back in touch with yourself and say, wait a second, Oz, I got this. So talk to us about what you thought you were going to be doing and what you had to reinvent yourself and learn how to do pretty quickly.
0: Yeah. So I was uh, heading the video platform team for AOL. That's um, it was the marketplace that was taking, you know, publishers, content owners, advertisers, and creating a platform that, um, that allows both the video um, creators, as well as the consumers, as well as the advertisers to play in one game. It was a platform role. I managed a big product team as well as the product marketing team. Um, And the, and my role when I, you know, when I joined was really to create this as a platform across all of the AOL brands. And AOL had over you know, 15 brands already and later Verizon bought us, so we had even more than that. So my role was more of a platform play. Um, and then the new executive that came, he uh, came from MTV and he was coming with a lot of creativity and a lot of great ideas to create AOL as a content brand, um, as a brand that creates original content, similar to what, you know, later, later Netflix were doing. Um, he was kind of the first to, to, to start with that. So um, he did not care about the platform. For him as a creator, as a creative person, um, he was taking that for granted. Um, and then, you know, our conversation, we're not, completely not aligned. Um, you know, he was like, okay, she's doing this platform. How long do we really need to work on the platform? But we don't have content and I need to work on content. So for him to meet someone like me, it wasn't, um, he, he didn't think originally that, you know, we could understand each other and that I can understand him as a visionary and, and come and translate his vision to a product.
1: And what was his role in terms of for you? Uh, like, was he your boss? Was he just an executive stakeholder? Like, yeah, how did you what 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 was the relationship there?
0: Yeah, he was the head of video. So the head of video before was replaced, uh, which he was more of a platform guy was replaced by more of a creative guy, it was the same role, um, just that the personality and, and their, you know, vision for the future for the company was completely different. Um, and so he came with a new fresh idea, um, that didn't resonate, uh, with the team that he had. So I was, and I was managing the whole team. So I was the first person to be kind of like, do I really need you here? Right. So
1: I think this is something that a lot of people will hear and it would be really helpful for you to kind of walk them through how you approached it, right? Because we've all been, well, maybe not all of us, but if we haven't yet, you will be in a role <laughs> where <laughs> where the leadership uh, is suddenly changed and potentially the vision and strategy has changed. And that means you are responsible for bringing that to life. And it's really hard to do um, mid mid execution. So for people who are kind of wanting to know like what you learned from that that might help inform them, what would you say? And maybe tell us a little bit about how you kind of came up with these thoughts in in real life.
0: Yeah. So I think looking back and it's um, the, writing the book was very much like a a therapy session for me. But looking back at like, I reverse engineer a lot of the stuff that I've done. And um, one of the things that really helped people either restart themselves in an existing career similar to what happened to me you know there was a reorg or a new manager with a new vision um, and how do you reinvent yourself in the same place or you need to reinvent yourself in a new place obviously that's like more of you know that I want to say common um that reinvention is you know you don't really you don't really start from scratch you start from some sort of experience and what are the transferable skills that you already have and what are the past experience that you can pull and actually say okay but this is what I've done and that's why I'm equipped to do this so in my case um I told I literally told him cuz I understood his vision and I kind of started way before he contacted me. Uh, And I think that this is something really important, both as as, employees in an organization, but as product managers, your ears need to be constantly open. And the idea of listening is listening to your customers, listening to your stakeholders, listening to the market, listening to your competitors, constantly look for changes because a lot of the times you can save the day if the market is changing or a big competitor is doing some action that um, you know that works for them or your customers are starting to talk about a different pain that they had and it's something that happened to me later um, as a good listener and product managers are good listeners you have to have a game plan and so When I saw that a new executive is coming, I researched him, you know, what, what is his background? What is he doing? Um, I looked at the announcement because, you know, this type of position actually, you know, is announced in the news um, of like, why would someone like that be brought on board? And, you know, I already kind of started seeing that he would probably care more about the studios. So I knew, for example, that on the studio level, all of our live operations, we had multiple of them and they were actually competing with each other versus like merging. And I saw this as a product opportunity, but you kind of like never touch because it's not yours. But I w- was ready with the conversation to actually say, listen, there's a really great tech stack here that we're not properly using. Um, and I could bring that into the conversation, but I could also you know, understand then he comes from the content world. I start, you know, my first job in tech was actually in technical training and I, and that's i actually credit that to a lot of me understanding how to ask questions how to answer questions how to be curious and how to learn new things so i brought this into our conversation i said you know this is what i used to do and this is why i know you know to go into a new territory this is like why i know to interview you this is why i know to learn and this is what i've learned like i started already he all of a sudden saw a glimpse of how it would be to work with me in this new role versus him saying, okay, I'm going to give her a chance. He actually, we actually almost started working. I started brainstorming, throwing ideas, explaining what I've done in the past, like really, um, put him in a situation where he feels, oh, that's how it would be working with her. And also I saw his reaction, you know, I was super attentive to what he was saying and and seeing, you know, what works and what doesn't. And I could elaborate more on things that made sense for him so much that at the end of our conversation, he said, "Um, I see what you're doing. And you're not, your eyes are not glowing and I see what you're telling me you're about to do. And all of a sudden you lit up and that's what I want you to bring to the job. And here's the new job you're going to do starting tomorrow. So I think that, you know, looking at all of this as a recommendation is really what is the experience you can pull out? And if you're junior, then get experience you know, volunteer, do projects, do something so that you can bring that to, into conversations when, when you need to. Fantastic. So you ended up being at AOL for what, nearly
1: four years, maybe a little over four years. So did you, in, in the end, what did you learn, um, uh, from that job that led you into your next role, which was something that definitely went online offline. Right. I mean, you went from just yeah. digital to also, you know, brick and mortar or real life. <laughs> right? So tell, tell us yeah. about, because from what I, from what I understand that was, that was also big for you. And it sounds like probably was inspired by AOL.
0: Yeah. So when I got the new job for this guy, um, he wanted me to start a new morning show. And I was like, what? I don't even know what are the roles of my stakeholders? What is the difference between a producer and director? And um, so I went down to the studios and um, I was in the green room and all of the discussions were super creative, which is really fun, you know, but I was like, "Hold, hold on. Like, who are our users and what are our metrics of success and what are our KPIs? And I think that what I learned is what I can bring from my world that I'm really good at. And, you know, the pillars of product management, looking at data, caring about the users, checking what problems we're trying to solve, like all of that bring that, but also being super open to the fact that, okay, I now have a different type of stakeholders and what do I need to learn? And what do I you know, how do I move myself to actually being able to say, yes, you know, you know, a morning show can be a product and how does that look and how do I measure it and who are my users and all that? And how do I even speak to stakeholders? Like my producer originally didn't even understand why, you know, I was like, okay, so what is our um, viewership like, look looking like? How many, you know, how many users we have, but also how deep into the show they're actually Looking, they're actually the play is still ongoing. Or are they dropping? Does that mean that our content need to change? Like, and all of a sudden, I started bringing my world into their creative world, and their creative world was feeding me in a way that I was like, "Oh, I actually can manage any products in the world." Like, if you have those pillars of understanding the craft, this is what you bring to the table right? And it doesn't matter if I need to plan a kitchen tomorrow (laughs) or I need to plan a show or I need to plan, you know, an app or a feature, I can bring those pillars of product management, you know, what problem we're trying to solve, what are the metrics, what are our KPIs, who are our users, all of those questions into any product. And uh, for me, it was a light bulb moment of like, oh, you can actually, you know, move between industries and, you know, as long as you have your craft and you really feel that you own it, moving between industries where was no longer an issue. And for me now that I'm, you know, in web three and web three is so new. Um, I actually, you know, felt very comfortable to go and learn a new industry. I did that at Verizon with augmented reality. Like I feel very comfortable look, going into creating new products in new industries because I bring the same thing, which is our craft.
1: I, so usually when we have people on the show, I always ask them, what do you want to accomplish? But one of the things I wanted to accomplish having you on the show was the moment you just had. <laughs> because I think it's so important. So many people I speak to, especially mentees, they they really get their heads um, into a place where they think that they can't switch industries, right? Uh, and And, you know, it's so, what you say is so true because actually the fundamentals work no matter what type of problem you're solving. So um, um, I have to say, you're the first person to come on the show that's actually said they've had to create a morning show, a morning television show as a product. So it's really proof of that kind of preaching that you really can't handle anything that's thrown at you. Um, so what what eventually led you away from AOL and what took you to WeWork?
0: Um, so at my last role at, um, at AOL, actually AOL was... Um, acquired by Verizon. So I had plenty of more opportunities for super cool technologies, augmented reality, virtual reality, uh, IoT, uh, 5G, obviously. So um, it was really a playground. It was an amazing workplace. Um, And then um, someone came to my lab from WeWork. Um, I had an innovation lab and we were having a lot of really cool toys and technologies. We had proof of concept applications we were running there. So it was a really cool place. And he came to learn because he wanted to start, um, the WeWork version of this. Um, and he was doing like a research and then we met, um, and I felt that there's something really cool going to be built and I wanted to be part of it. Our original discussion didn't start as a job interview. He actually was asking for my advice. And then he asked me if I would come and meet the team and, you know, brainstorm with them. Uh, little did I know that he had different plans. Uh, but I was like, you know, there are many other founders that will come to me or, you know, people that called connect with me on LinkedIn and say, hey, like I read something that inspired me. Can I have, you know, like a brainstorm together? Like I do this. It's not out of the normal for me. So this wasn't any different. Um, but at the end of it, you know, we were brainstorming on what would be the right org structure for labs. Um, and then uh, a day later, actually I spoke to my husband, I told him what we were talking about. And he's like, are you realizing they're interviewing you? Because this is way beyond let's just brainstorm cool things. Um, and I was like, huh, let me just ask if there's a position there because it's really cool. And, you know, this, you know, organization is really coming together and they have really uh, great talent that is joining. Um, I even interviewed someone there. (laughs) Like I was part of the team interviewing and they were asking me my opinion. So, um, so I, I contacted this person that asked me and I was like, Hey, am I in the process of interviewing? Because, you know, we can talk about it. Um, and he was like you're actually you actually are uh, and this is how we like to do interviews we actually like to first understand who the people are and what they're up about and what are their passions and uh, and it's important for me and uh, and I was like okay so but which job <laughs> am i interviewing for and he actually said but you, but we did the org chart so you tell me what is the job that you want to take um, and that was fun because i actually did not start from product i actually Started from programming, uh, the product was based on content. So I really thought that to look at the content from a product perspective, very very similar to what I just told you about AOL. But to look from at the content from product perspective, like who are the users I'm trying to attract with this content? Why would they read this here versus somewhere else? Um, who would be our you know who would be interesting to 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 put in this? What is the roadmap for our content? Like really looking at the content as the product is where I started and only then I added the digital version of it of like, okay, so where does the product, where all this content lives? Like I didn't want it in the blog. I wanted it under a recommendation engine and then I needed more data and then we became more of a data product. Um, but um, I really didn't, didn't start if, you know, when I started from zero, I didn't start from, you know, let's build a website or, uh, or a tool. I started from, what would be there and how would I attract the users first? Do you think you
1: ever would have done that, like taken a role kind of starting with content if you hadn't had the experience previously at AOL? Like was that in your DNA or do you think that was pretty linked um, from the previous four years? Uh,
0: It's an interesting question. I think that looking back every single job I either apply to or uh, actually go and work for somehow is a brings a thread from my past experience. Um, you know, anything from even like 15 years ago, um, when a lot of the things that um exist as in as a tool today, like user reviews um exist today, marketplaces exist today. And I did it before it was even called a marketplace. I did, you know, open, open source, I did an open source program. Uh 15 or 16 years ago, way before it was like a thing because I was trying to overcome the fact that I didn't have enough resources, but we have enough of a fan base that wanted to build for us. So I was like, okay, so let's open the door for them to code for us. And, you know, and then we focused our roadmap to actually build APIs so that they can build for us. Um, So, so yes. So the, the answer is, you know, I probably feel comfortable Uh, because of past experiences, but, um, I don't know if I chose it because of it. I think that because of past experience, I bring that, that view into my role. Clear.
1: So, uh, I mean, you're now doing something, um, It seems like pretty different, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, So tell us a little bit about Mm -hmm. Dragons and Fly and where that came about and what it means for people who aren't familiar with it. How do you spend your days? Like, uh, Give us a little bit of a snapshot of that.
0: Yeah. Um, So late December um, last year, um, I started seeing in my LinkedIn feed a lot of content around Web3 and NFTs. Um, and I, you know, told my husband, like, I see this, um, and he's like, it's a big deal. You should, you know, start seeing what it means. And it's, you know, it's something that I was looking at from how does it, how is it going to affect my product? I was at diligent, I was in a previous company and I was like, okay, is this, and I do this often, like if I see a trend or I see a technology or I see something I'm like, hold on, is this affecting me? Is this benefiting me? Is this something we can use? If not, we move on, But I give it a I wanted to say a sec, but it's not a sec. Like I research, you know, I talk to my team, we all kind of immerse ourselves in this learning, okay, let's learn if this is, you know, is there an angle that I specifically didn't think of and they do. Like we actually kind of riff around around things like that. So this was no different. And I actually did think that it's going to not disrupt but actually be an opportunity for my previous company to go into that and, and build, uh, and build for it. Um, so I started learning more and more and I got super excited about how products are built in web three and about, um, how engaged the users are because, you know, as, as a builder of products, sometimes you you struggle to get feedback from your users and where do I find my users and how do I ask them? And if you're not a direct to consumer, then it's harder and a diligence with diligent you know, it's majority of of the users are actually CEOs of company. Good luck, you know, interviewing CEOs of companies. Like it's really, really um, hard to find your users. So in Web3, Uh, it's all about that it's all about their engagement and their investment in you and their belief in you and it's actually something you need to manage so it's because it's on the other hand it can really control your roadmap and everything that you're working on so for me as you know as a product struggling with that I was I found this um phenomenal I was like
1: this is really cool
0: so I you know I'm a, a person that learns by doing, so um, I started, you know, looking at projects that I can volunteer in and give my, you know, use my experience and and be a part of. And uh, and I uh, chose two projects. I connected the founders, uh, called, connected on LinkedIn. I said, "Hey, I have some time. You know, I would love, you know, if you need me, and we can brainstorm." So we we I did that, and then I continued. You know, I called, contacted people. I just really immersed myself in this learning mode, and then a reorg. Uh, came to my organization. And for me, it was an opportunity to actually say, you know what, I'm going to invest in myself and I'm going to jump um, versus uh, stay versus after this reorg and use this opportunity to one, I needed to work on my book, but also uh, immerse myself more into this fascinating industry that I wanted to be a part of. And part of those, you know, kind of giving myself time with people, I found my first customer. And then I was like, oh, I actually can do this as a consultant. And this will be cool until I find my own, you know, I've, until I found a home. And so I'm super careful in what I'm searching and like my next job, but I'm very excited I'm, you know, doing consulting work. And I do that for several companies. Um, and in different industries all around web three. but you know, one is in gaming and one is in art. And I work with a venture studio that we actually start companies from zero. Um, so I'm doing a lot of things, but everything around this specific industry that I found fascinating. And and for many people who go into
1: consulting, they end up actually liking it so much that they don't go back (laughs) into operator roles. So what do you think? I mean, you, you don't have a crystal ball, but do you, you know, do you have a, any instincts on like what is proving more fulfilling and interesting for you?
0: Yeah. So I will say, um, I love being a consultant because I can move between things and I like that. Um, and, and the projects I have are super interesting. And so that really works for me. On the other hand, I really miss a team. Uh, I have a partner that, you know, um, I'm grateful for doing this with someone else. She's on the design side. She's a brilliant, um, designer UXer. Um, you know, she's the brand side of what we offer. Um, and that's better than doing it on your own, but I do miss peers, stakeholders, managing a team, mentoring. Um, so I did, um, Kind of boost my mentoring hours, <laughs> um, and I found it extremely, extremely rewarding and filling in that gap for me. But um, I also know that um, once a specific, you know, opportunity will be relevant, then you know I'll give a notice uh, to my uh, uh, to my partner, to my clients, and and hopefully kind of join, um, you know. a a company, I don't know if it's big or small, but a company that, you know, the team, um, I can grow a product as well as a team because I like that part.
1: Absolutely. That
0: makes sense. Uh, As somebody who does the consulting
1: thing on side, maybe one idea is I just do it 10 hours a month and I love it. Like, but I'm very, but I have a full-time job too. And that's, it's nice because you get the, all the benefits that you said of being able to switch and uh, for people who like to have their hands in lots of pots, it's really fun. But you have your team and you have your products and stuff. So yeah. I bet all your clients would like
0: to know you weren't going away forever. They'd probably like to keep you. So <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually I do a lot of, a lot of, I do uh, two projects actually that have an end. Like we actually know that there's an end and there's one that is on a retainer. Um, and there's another one that um, is like more of an hourly, I want to say. But like the, so I do feel that I, potentially could continue doing both. And, um, you know, hopefully I'll find, um, and I will, because, um, I think, I think organizations, um, I choose them by culture and by my ability to, you know, and I always, always encourage my team to have a pet project or to, to volunteer and to do something that is not just your work. I think it fulfills you personally. I feel for me, it gives me a lot of, air and gas and everything together. Um, But it's it's also something that um, keeps your mind open. You hear of ideas, you hear of problems, you hear of things that can feed your actual job. So, um, you know, being able to do both and choosing a company that supports that and a culture that encourages that is, um, you know, my target next company.
1: Well, that's good. We've got lots of people who listen to the show who are hiring for their CPOs or the heads of products. So you hiring managers, make sure you understand how important it is to give people <laughs> that flexibility. <laughs> yes.
0: Yes. And why, and why is that giving back to you as well? Exactly.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. So let's switch gears a little bit and talk about your book. Um, how did this come about? Like, did you just, you know, wake up one day and say, I can product manage anything, including a book. Like what was the what was
0: the story? <laughs> it's, it's actually a funny comment that I need to remember to tell you. But, um, so as a kid, I wanted to be an author. Um, that was, you know, when, when people were asking me, what do you want to do? I would say that would be my answer. And then when I grew up, I was like, okay, uh, you know, author is like harder. And, uh, maybe it's like, you know, it takes more time. And then I wanted to be a journalist like it didn't really change. But I like, uh, you know, maybe that was me dabbing into industry <laughs> type of situation. Um, so and then, you know, I I lived in Israel, so I went to the army and the army kind of changed my my plans. I uh, I actually wanted to work for the army uh, newspaper or the kind of the speaker unit. Um, but, and it didn't happen. I worked in something else. So, you know, and that completely changed my career trajectory. And I think that writing is something that I've been doing on the side all the time. Um, I like it, I enjoy it. It's, it, it fulfills my, um, my creative part and actually working backwards, which is, you know, Amazon, um, kind of, I don't know, method to to product management, um, is, something that I enjoy because I actually tell the story of what we're building. So it's kind of like together with what I do and what I love to do is, is really merging the two together. And so, um, and so the book was kind of like always there. And then when I decided I want to write a book, uh, I actually, the original book was called how to build your career, like a like a product manager, because they're actually things you need to do in the same way that there are things that, that we need to do as product managers. And then when I started writing it, I actually found that there's so much before and after that, that was just one (laughs) chapter of the book. So, um, so I changed it and, um, and then starting from scratch was born. So, um, starting from scratch talks about six steps and one of them is the product management part, but a six step, um, methodology into how do you restart in in a new position and it can be a new job or it can be reinventing yourself in a new position in the same organization after reorg or an opportunity finds itself. So I do talk about a lot of what we've talked now here around, you know, how do you keep your eyes open and you, you know, you're, you're in constant, this learning mode versus execution mode, um, as well as how do you take care of your, mental health and your resilience because, you know, we're so used to these quick wins and we actually even talk about it. Like what are quick wins, um, that, you know, succeeding in a career or building yourself into a career is not a quick win. And so how do you build yourself to be resilient in, you know, the changes that are going to happen, um, in, um, you know, in, in market opportunities, how do you, you know, not break, Um, while, while starting from scratch. And uh, to your comments about the product, um, my publisher says that I, (laughs) like I ask them questions and I give them comments as if my book is a product. And I actually look at this in the same way. Like if someone follows me on LinkedIn, I am in my go-to-market strategy now. Um, And um, my product, you know, I was fixated on how to uh, how the cover will be not because I wanted it beautiful, but actually I wanted that when someone looks at the book, they understand very much like, how do I attract the right users, right? To use the product? How do I attract the right readers to actually enjoy and and, and find benefit in this book? Like I really took a, you know, looking back, I took a very much of a product approach. Um, you know, I'm now working on a workbook for the book because I, you know, I think that we need to practice. Like there's So many things that I took from product management into a book and and hopefully that that would uh, make it the right book for for the users or for the readers that will choose to read it.
1: Amazing. And for people listening, thinking, wow, I really want to stay connected. I want to know like when is the book available? Like what's the best way for them to kind of like can they pre-subscribe? What's the the best way to get connected?
0: Yeah. So uh, follow me on LinkedIn. Um, I give a lot of uh, snippets from the book as well as Uh, thoughts and ideas until it's out there because it's still not out and I also have a website it's called startingfromscratchthebook.com and you can subscribe to get um, emails from me and and also um, in the book I interviewed I actually interviewed about 30 people but in the book Uh, There are almost 20 stories of other people who started from scratch and looking back, they use the same methodology. So those stories in full, uh, because in the book they're mentioned, but in full are on the website. And, you know, if you're looking for inspiration to start from scratch or start from experience, uh, those stories are there uh, on the website. I like it.
1: So I have two questions um, for you. Uh, And this is really geared more for people listening who would like to use your 20 plus years experience to help them um, with their career. And obviously, one of the best things to do is actually read the book because that's what that purpose is about. But for those who need your information now before it comes live, um, what would you say is your advice for someone who's looking to kind of go into a, a leadership, a product leadership role? Like what What would you give right now as kind of important guidance to those people?
0: Yeah. So I'll just uh, briefly say that it took me a very long time to get to a senior role in product. Um, And um, I stumbled upon managers that were stricter, I want to say, with titles. And I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful because I have a lot of, uh, I feel like my foundations are super strong, so strong that I feel that I can take young talent and, and, you know, and grow it, or I can join a team with super senior d- diligence. You know, I joined a team of super seniors, super talented, everybody knew their job. And, you know, how do you not feel that, Oh, what do I have to bring to the table next to such amazing talent? Right. Like, what do you bring to the table? And I think that that's um, experience of, of growing slower is really important. And so that would be my first advice. Like don't rush to grow, rush to consume information and experience. And, you know, and if you don't get it on the job, then volunteer. If you don't get on a job, go mentor or go get a coach or go, you know, be mentored or join, you know, I just posted about a learning pod, like go join a learning pod do things that grow you so that when you go and come to this senior position it's an extremely lonely place how do you find your people how do you continue to grow when there's no one to learn from and and you need to have those muscles so that you know it's not a you're not alone there at the top And you're actually helpful both for the, you know, leadership for your CEO, as well as for your team. And you're not, you know, shaken by, you know, market pivots, restructures, reorgs, like you know your craft. And the only difference is the ecosystem. Like that's fine, but but your craft is really well kind of, you know, owned. Um, So I think that would be my best advice to not rush and really take in everything that, everything and more that you're being given uh, when you're in a team. Great advice, great advice. Um, And then on the show, we
1: tend to, we like to think about ourselves as kind of profiling both the passion and the practice of product. And the passion we think of as the heart and the practice we think of as the head. Um, and when we first were brainstorming on this show, which we also treated like a product. So kind of coming up with like, what was it going to be? What was the ultimate reason for being? We had hypotheses about like what the, the product professionals out there would kind of skew towards. So I, I want to check with you and see like, what do you think as a product professional you identify with more the head or the heart?
0: Yeah. So I told you already that this would be a tough one for me. because um, let's talk about the head first. So the head is really important because um, product managers have a craft. it's it's a method that when you come to the table, everything is better. And everything is better if you come with your abilities to solve problems, your ability to build a framework of how we think about things, how we tackle things, how we tackle problems. Is it the actual problem we're talking about? Like that part is really, really important. And so you need to, um, you need to know your craft. And on that side, I would say, okay, this is like a head position. But on the other hand, if you only come with a method and you're not passionate about, your users about the problem that you want to solve, if you don't really care about the stakeholders that work with you and you're curious enough to find what they think is the solution and you come together to the table and you work with them, like all of that is very much of, you know, a heart side. And so I don't have a good answer. (laughs) If you're looking for one that I don't, I think that, you know, what makes us really good Product managers is that we're able to change those hats and we're able to bring both the passion um, and our obsession to build um, good solutions for our users, but also bring the craft of our work and the frameworks that we know to work in, um, in order to, you know, build a successful product and company. I like that answer a lot. Um, okay,
1: so we're at the part of the show where I ask my favorite question that I ask everybody. So imagine there was a museum that we could go to and it was all dedicated to the world's most important products. What would you say should be in the museum and
0: why? Yeah, um, that was another one that I debated if I which one I should tell you, but that because um, a lot of people that hear that this is my choice are saying, huh, really? Um so uh and I and I listen to feedback, but sometimes you know <laughs> uh I'm trying to make my point. So uh my product would be Starbucks and it's you know it's not because of the coffee although I do love their uh coffee and drinks I actually love their strawberry lemonade now uh for on a hot um hot day but um, I like It's because of how they cracked the experience. There are, I don't know, thousands of Starbucks all over the US, the world. um, And the onboarding experience is magical. Like think of us, you know, the digital world, we really are about how do we onboard users? How do you make it, you know, how do we not lose users during registration, during sign up? Like how do we actually, and they did that. There's zero friction. In coming into the shop and understanding what do I have, even what is the new flavor of the month, like something I've never experienced before, even that I can see it, I can read it, I can experience it, I can taste it. Like all of that comes together. They also have a very vibrant community digitally that offers them uh, a lot of help and advice, and they, let, and they update the users and they um, you know bring ideas to voting. And so that's, I think is a brilliant way to, you know, engage with your fans and the, you know, the people who are your brand ambassadors and, and, you know, um, heavy users, which I like. Um, I like the fact that it's physical and digital, like their app the the fact that they have an app and, you know, I can, you know, what is the music that is currently, um, being played here and that, um, and that, you know, it's a, basically a bank, like financially, it's an amazing product. Like I, in a, any given day, I have at least $20 there. Show me another app that I constantly have a $20 there. Uh, so, um, so I think that is brilliant. The fact that they, you know, the digital is not foreign. It's not like, Oh, open the app. No, it's like part of it. Um, and so, And even that they, you know, they they play with the brand, you know, um, you know, there's a and I found a gingerbread house that is uh, that you can build not a regular gingerbread house, but actually a Starbucks shop. And I thought that it was brilliant because if I'm a fan of Starbucks and it's now time that this is what we do and we build gingerbread houses and I will find it, I'll actually get it. And I like that they play with their merchandise. Like all of that playfulness is like involving the users and creating an amazing experience. And it's both physically and digitally. And um, and it works, you know, and financially it works. Like all of it put together, I think makes it very much for your museum. Absolutely. I think, and you could be doing the pitch for it for sure, because you sell it quite <laughs> well. <laughs>
1: All right, Og. well, it's been so lovely to have you tell your story and share a bit about your experiences. And thank you for giving us the uh, preview of the book. I think you'll have lots of excited people following along and adding that to their product and
0: leadership uh, bookshelves for sure. Thank you.
1: Thanks for listening to the podcast, guys. Be sure to share the word of product-led growth far and wide and let your colleagues, friends, family, neighbors, and anyone you think who would like to know that there's a kick-ass product podcast on offer from the Product-Led Alliance. If you haven't already, don't forget to sign up to the Slack community and check out all our other great content, upcoming events, and other ways to get involved at productledalliance.com. And let's come back again next time to talk more about the head, the heart of product.